Hey, two things, or actually just one thing I want to say. Uh, we try to celebrate these things as much as we can, but uh, last every 12th that we did last weekend was awesome. So give yourselves a big round of applause, guys, as a church. So if you don't know what every 12th is, and maybe you're new, is every 12th Sunday we cancel the church service and go out and be the church. And we try to serve or put on a block party. And next, in December, Lord willing, we're going to do a Christmas store for the neighborhood. But at this uh, one, we did a block party. So we cleaned up the neighborhood, invited the neighbors, and threw a block party for the neighborhood. And I think this is our third or fourth block party since we've been in this location. And we had more neighbors now than we've ever had before. So, yeah, that was awesome. I think, you know, we counted like 20-some neighbors, um, which is really, really good. Uh, because, you know, it takes multiple, multiple years for a church moving in a neighborhood to start to have an impact. So uh, that was really good and fun. So thank you guys who brought food, served, prayed for it, cleaned, and all the other good stuff. Um, the other thing, too, is as a church body, we are fasting every Wednesday. So if you would like to join us in that, we usually send out a text on Tuesday night to say what we're praying for. Um, but you could join us on that. Now, I had somebody ask me the last time we announced fasting. They said, whoa, you guys fast for an entire day. And I'm like, I probably should explain this a little bit, uh, what fasting is and how we do it. Like, typically fasting is uh, starving yourself, starving your flesh for a period of time for spiritual purposes. So oftentimes when people have a big decision to make and they're really praying and asking God for direction, they'll fast. And how we sometimes fast are, you know, you wake up and you don't eat anything until dinner time. So you fast for breakfast and lunch. Um, that's one. Oftentimes people, they will fast through one meal and just, you know, not eat breakfast or not eat lunch. But my encouragement to you is fast over a meal that you will miss because the point is, is to feel those hunger pains. Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. His disciples fasted. And when you fast and you feel those hunger pains, you're supposed to stop and just pray. And so uh, I encourage you guys to do that. We're going to do it every Wednesday, and we'll do it for different things. Um, and yeah, do it how you want. Whatever meal or two meals or three meals you feel like fasting for is up to you. Um, sound good? All right. Hey, today is really cool, and I'm glad you guys are all here because we're starting a new series called Bless. And really the goal of this series is to help us as a church be missional, all right, and, and bless other people and be a blessing to other people for the hope that we could share Jesus with them. Amen? And this is like our dilemma sometimes with outreach projects and every 12th is we could do so many good works and bless people, but if we never bring it back to Jesus, then we've just done the same thing that the United Way does. We've just done a good work. And it's important to put sharing with the serving. And so bless is not going to be talking about how we do it collectively as a church like in every 12th, but it's going to teach you how to be a missionary everywhere you are at in everyday life. Reaching the people that God has put you around and placed you in and the spaces he's placed you in to be a light to wherever he has you. Because as you guys know, our mission at J-Road is to reach, equip, and send. Reach the lost, equip the found, send the willing is how we say it. And a big part of that is just reaching people who are far from Jesus, who don't go to church, who've never accepted Jesus, who are been hurt by the church, and maybe they've walked away from the church, or maybe they just don't know the love of Jesus and they're hurting and broken, 
Or maybe they don't love Jesus and they're happy, and they don't know they don't need Jesus yet. But that's who we are called to reach. And that's really what the church is all about, right? To expand the kingdom and bring the good news of Jesus Christ wherever we go and wherever we find ourselves. So that's what this series is all about. You are all missionaries. Look to your neighbor and say, you are a missionary, all right? Say it right now. You're like, whoa, me? <laughs> I'll tell you real quick. We are called to reach the world for Christ. We are called to reach the world for Christ. Um, for two reasons, and I'll really give you three, but first of all, it's our mission. It's our mission. Everybody say mission. Okay, it's our mission. Uh, I think it's on that first slide there. Um, in Mark chapter 16, verse 15. And Jesus said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. So that's really what our mission is. I mean, we, we know that. We also know the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all nations. Like, that's what we're here for, right? Like, that's what the church is here for. Not that we just hear some good songs and we, um, we hear a good message and we're, we're, our cup is filled to just go out and do a good job in our workplaces. Like, that's all part of it. But the mission is we need to be reaching people who don't know Jesus. And not just so we could fill up our pews. I don't really care if the people you reach ever come to J-Road. I know that if they don't come to J-Road that they are entered into the kingdom of God, right? And we have a truth that we know in a love that we know that makes an impact in people's lives. Whether they are addicted, whether they are depressed, whether they are anxious, whether they have broken relationships. Like Jesus brings healing to all of these situations. And we know the truth. We know the hope. So it's our mission. Number two, it's our calling. In Mark 4, 9, when he was calling the first disciples, in their job, as many of you know, these disciples, were, they were fishermen. They would go out and fish, and that's how they made a living, was be fishermen. And Jesus said, hey, I don't want you to be fishermen anymore. I want you to be fishers of men. So come and leave your nets and leave your boats behind and follow me, because you know what we're going to do? We're going to go fishing for people, men and women who don't know Jesus. We're going to tell them the kingdom of heaven is close. And so it's our calling for you and I to be fishers of men. And that's what we are going to be training about over the next two months in this Bless Rhythms. And so I'm going to go through and explain what, what the Bless Rhythms are, how you live them out, and missional communities are going to be rocking these as well. We're going to have a meeting after, short meeting after church today to talk to the leaders about how missional communities live these out. Um, so it is going to be good. And, and the third one that's not on the screen is, is the world is lost and broken, and the church is God's plan A to bring healing to the world. There is no plan B. Does that make sense? The church is God's plan A to spread the love of His Son, to bring healing, to bring restoration. The church is the plan A, and there is no plan B. The church is God's hope for the world. And that's you, and that's me. Every day. And the reason it's every day is because if it was just on Sunday, that's not enough. Like, you guys have a mission field that wherever you go, and your reach is far beyond ours. So, that's what this series is about. It's not teaching how to convert people. So, it's not teaching how to convert people, but how to bless people 
in using those blessings to be a doorway for the gospel. And there is a difference, all right? Um, does anybody ever tried to do, um, have taken an evangelism class or maybe went out and evangelized and maybe knocked on people's doors before or maybe went out in the streets and evangelized and maybe you felt frustrated with the modern approach to evangelism? And you're like, ah, this is kind of frustrating. People do not seem interested. I knocked on my neighbor's doors. They just shut the door on my face. <laughs> They're not interested in talking. Um, that, the knocking on people's doors way um, without love, without blessing, without relationships is oftentimes antiquated and it's not as effective, in my opinion. Um, that's not saying God might call you to do that. I have friends that, that pastor friends that still knock on people's doors. Um, and if God's calling you to do it, you absolutely have to. Um, but one of the commands that Jesus gave the church is to love one another, right? Love one another. Um, and there's no love necessarily, which is, is sometimes it's just sharing information. But with blessing, it's loving and blessing and using our relationships to bring the gospel. Um, so there is a study done, and I could give you guys the exact quote, but it was a, it was a, a famous study done, and this pastor did it as his dissertation for Bible, his, his master's of divinity. And so what they did is they followed two groups of missionaries that went to Thailand. So there was these two groups of missionaries. They went to Thailand, and they went with, this, they went with the different um, strategies. Group A, they went to Thailand with the sole purpose of converting as many people as possible. Their main objective was convert people. And group B, their only objective was to bless people. They were both Christians. They were both believers. They, you know, two groups in Thailand. They were there for two years. One, their primary objective was to convert people. The other was to bless. And what they found out was at the end of the two years, the blessing group, number one, had a far greater social impact than the converting group. They were in marketplaces. They were doing things. People knew them. They had a much bigger social impact than the converting group. Number two, the blessers had 50 times more conversions than the conversion group. They have 50 times more people giving their life to Jesus than the group that just went over there to convert people. Now, the actual numbers are the converters had one convert and the blessers had 50. So that's how I get 50 times, right? So it was, they had 50 times the converters. But that is a true story, and they discovered that the blessers just had a greater impact. And the bottom line is the best way to accomplish Jesus' mission is to start by loving people and blessing them. Start by loving people. Um, street evangelism, door-to-door -door evangelism, again, God might call you to it, but oftentimes that's focused on converting without love and converting without relationships. Now, again, many of you also help out with the one, and I'll sidetrack for a second. Many of you help out with the 1M project, which basically at 1M every other Monday, they go to the corner building and they, say how they make free hot dogs, and they hold up signs saying, we'll pray for you, and we have hot dogs. So they say, like, food and prayer, isn't it right? Like, food and prayer, like, need Jesus, need hot dogs, you know, you know stuff like that. But A, they are blessing people. Number one, they're offering food. Number two, they're asking, what are your needs? What are you going through? How can I pray for you? They're not just solely there to be like, hey, we want to talk to people to convert them. They're offering blessings to go with that. So I think that is good. Um, bless is about the relationships that God has already put around you. So if you guys were to stop for right now 
and think about the people God has put in your lives, that, people that don't know Jesus. Think about the places you, think about where you live, your neighborhood, the people that live around you. Think about where you work. Think about your school. You know, think about your hobbies, if you're into golf or bowling or other such things. And think about the lost people that God has put around you. And that's, blessed is, is our means to reach those people. Um, here's the thing. People are looking for friends. I don't know if you guys read recently, but if you look up in Forbes, Forbes did an article recently that said there is a loneliness epidemic in America. And coincidentally, you guys know who the loneliest group is? Age 17 to 24 is the loneliest group in America. Now you're like, why? They're the most technologically advanced. They have social media. What's that? What's that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Put your phone down. I thought you said your zipper's down, and I'm like, oh, gosh. <laughs> I'm like, thank you. I need to go over here for a second. Put your phone down. But what we're, they're finding is this, the, you know, the 17 to 24-year-olds are the most connected generation, but also the most loneliest. And they're reporting, the studies show that there's a loneliness. There's also a loneliness epidemic around men. You guys know that, like, men used to go out and do stuff throughout the week? We used to be in bowling leagues. We used to golf. We used to do, go to darts. We used to hang out with friends. And now we don't hang out with friends anymore. <laughs> we might have a fantasy football league, and I'm in a couple fantasy football leagues, and I like that. And we get together at the beginning of the year, which is a blast, and it's a lot of fun. And that's like two hours out of the entire league from now until December. And other than that, it's just texting Tom Zeller and Jason and Evan smack talk throughout the week. <laughs> and I'm like, there's a loneliness epidemic and people need friends. Um, we need to be a good friends to these people. We know that Jesus was called, what was Jesus's, uh, what was the slander that they called Jesus? A friend of what? They called Jesus a friend of sinners. And really, that was a, a diss, if you will, towards him and how he spent time with uh, these vile people. You know, like they said, look at him. You think he's a prophet? He's a friend of sinners. He's hanging out at the homestead. If any of you know about the homestead. <laughs> Everybody's like, I'm not saying nothing. I've never been there. Uh, He's, uh, he was a friend of sinners. Um, Matthew 11 and 19 uh, is, ta is talked about twice in, this, in the Gospels. And the naysayers of the day, uh, the religious people criticized Jesus as a glutton and as a drunkard and as a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And they called him this because it was true. He was a friend of sinners. He invested and loved in people. So, and this phrase rings true, and this is a big phrase of the blessed rhythms, is people don't really care what you know until they know that you care. So people don't care what you know until they know that you care. Would everybody agree with that? And that's sometimes the downfall with just knocking on the door and like, hey, do you know Jesus? It's like, hey, I'm busy. I got stuff going on. I'm at dinner. I'm not thinking about hell right now, but, you know, come back later. Um, versus being a friend of sinners. Um, oftentimes, the church gets stuck sometimes in holy huddles, and I'll agree, I'll get stuck in holy huddles, where all of our friends are Christians. 
All the people we do stuff with are Christians, and the only thing we do is Christian activities. And so my question to you is, what changes would you need to make to be called a friend of sinners? Do you, have, do, you, do you come in contact with people regularly who don't know Jesus, who aren't Christians, who don't go to church? And some of you do, and you might not even know it. Maybe at your place of work, you interact with the same people who don't know Jesus. Maybe your neighbor is a chatty Kathy, and you talk to them a lot, and they don't know Jesus. You know, we rub elbows with people all the time. And if you don't, what changes could you make to start being around more lost people? Again, one of the things Nicole and I does, and we did not do this, we just did this to get in shape, but we did not do this, but it became the after effect, is we, we joined a CrossFit gym in, in near our house, and we have just gotten to know so many people who don't know Jesus. We have bonfires, we have, you know, some of them have a boat, we go on a boat ride, we, we see these people every, almost every day who don't know Jesus, and God is calling us to reach them and to be a blessing, and, and actually use these blessed practices. Um, so it could be a gym. It could be a golf league. It could be a bowling league that your buddy's calling you to. Whatever it is, if you are not around lost people, we need to make a plan so you are around lost people more. Okay? Okay, that's going to be part of this, this series. Um, see, our God is a missional God. He's on mission, and he wants to bless the world. Is anybody ever familiar with the term the Abrahamic covenant? Is anybody familiar with the term the Abrahamic covenant? Okay, a couple of you. Yes, thank you. It was, a co- it was one of the first covenants God made, and it was with Abraham in Genesis 12, 1 through 3. So if you look, read all through Scripture, the Old Testament, the New Testament, God makes covenants with his people for a purpose. And when he makes this Abrahamic covenant with Abraham— He did it to just basically tell Abraham that I'm starting a race, the people of Israel, through you, and who comes through the people of Israel? Jesus, the Messiah. So he starts with Abraham, and he says Jesus is going to come through you. So let's read this real quick in Genesis 12, 1 through 3. This is the Abrahamic covenant, part of it at least. The Lord had said to Abram, before his name was changed to Abraham, go from your country your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will, I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a, and I will, those who, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the people of the earth will be through you. So, like, in this first covenant that God gave, or one of the first covenants God gave, he says, the whole earth will be blessed through you, through, through your descendant, Jesus Christ. And at, people who bless you will be blessed. People curse you will be cursed. And I want to bless people. So God's like, I want to bless the world, and I'm going to use you, Abraham. And we see that in our lives, that God wants to bless the world, but he's not just going to stay step out through time and space and do it with his own hand, even though he could. He uses the church, right? He uses you guys to bless the world, and he wants you to be a blessing. God blesses people so they can be a blessing. God tells Abraham in this, uh, God tells Abraham to go. God tells Jesus, his son, to go into earth 
and fulfill his mission of dying on the cross for our sins. And Jesus tells the disciples to go. And so ultimately go so you can be a blessing to others. And you guys, as Jericho Road Church, God wants you to go and be a blessing wherever he has you. We have a mission. We have a purpose. And not only that, like, we'll go through this, but it's not an arbitrary mission or purpose. I believe if you pray, like I'll go through the blessed rhythms in a second, but I believe if you pray, God will speak to you and share with you who he wants you to reach. Okay? That's a big part of this, is, not, is asking God, who are you calling me to reach? And trusting that you have the Holy Spirit and he'll put names and places on your heart and mind. God speaks to his people, right? God's speaking to you guys. He does that. So, um, so God wants you to bless the world. And I'm going to share two, two passages that talk about how you are meant to be a blessing to the world. And the first is, you are the salt and the light. Okay? In Matthew 5, verses 13 and 16, Jesus says this. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus gives these two very important characteristics to your identity. And the first is you're the salt of the earth. You're the salt of the earth. Again, if we are being good Bible scholars, we have to go back and say, like, what was salt used for back then? Because for, for us, it's, it's a little shaker on the table that we just used to season food. But back then, it had medicinal purposes. Number one, if there was a wound, they would take them over to the Dead Sea, which is very salty, and, put, and let them bathe in there, and that would help their wound. They would, they would help it cure infection. Also, if you had meat, you had to cure it with salt. Otherwise, what? They'd just spoil and rot. And so what he was saying to them wasn't that you just make parties taste better because you're there and you're a salty, vibrant person. He's like, no, the world is dying and decaying and you are the only hope to heal them, right? Like you're, you're the salt, you're the medicine of the world. I need you out there with the people because you are the medicine. You are the, they're preventing the, you're healing the world, you're preventing it from decaying. And what else did he say other than salt? What was the other one? Light. You are the light of the world. The light is the other thing that maybe we have forgotten about a little bit, or maybe we just, if you're like me, you've always had light. I don't think there's anybody in here who didn't have lights growing up in their house. So, like, all we know is when you walk in a room, you flip on a switch and all the lights come on. When Jesus was talking to his disciples, they had these things called lamps. And the lamps like kind of look like genie's lamp. That's, you know, like if you guys are familiar with Aladdin. And when they would light the lamp in a dark house, they had to like place this, the lamp strategically in different places, right? There would be a lamp stand where it's like that's where you put the, the lamp so it shines the brightest, right? And then you wouldn't put like three lamps together. 
you would spread them out evenly and strategically to bring light to the whole house. It's like nobody's putting this on the ground, nobody's putting it under a bowl. And so what it's saying is, is you guys are the lamps of the world. I love that you guys are here on Sunday worshiping Jesus, hearing a word. But after Sunday, I'm going to spread you out to a dark world where the lamps can be spread out wherever they are. Right? Some are at Ravana Foods, right? There's lamps there just being a light to a dark place, you know? Some are, you know, painting houses and businesses where people are at, and you get to see many people throughout the year. Some are at a factory where they run across many people. You know, some are in a neighborhood that's very, has a vibrant community. And Jesus is honestly saying, I'm going to place my lamps in strategic dark areas so my light could spill out as many places as possible. And then when people get saved and accept Jesus, there's more light to be more in more spaces. And he wants us in those spaces. You guys want to know, this is a side point too, and I only have one more point after this, so I'm getting close to being done. So if you guys are checking your clocks, just take it easy for a second. When I used to live in southeast Michigan, uh, there was this church, I believe it was called City Light Church, but they had a, an, a women's ministry that went to the strip clubs of Toledo, Ohio. And so, you know, Toledo, Ohio was known as like the sex trafficking hub of the Midwest because it was perfectly located between Chicago, Cleveland, and Detroit in the middle of that triangle. So, so Toledo, Ohio was like the hub. So they wanted to like, like how many Christians are going into strip clubs, you know, to, to be a light and a witness? None, right? Hopefully none. Hopefully guys aren't there, you know, obviously the church isn't going there. Um, but these women, they had a ministry where they would go in to the strip clubs and they would in, talk to the owner. They would go to the back room where the people would, the women would be coming off stage and they would bring blessing bags. And the church would help fill the bags with like makeup, with some jewelry and a Bible and a devotional. And they would go back there and spend these nights in the back room of the strip clubs praying for the women. And when they would go in, they would give a, uh, they would give a gift card to the bouncer, they would give a gift card to the bartender, and a gift card to the owner of the club, because they would like it when they came, because they'd always give them gift cards. And there would be a group of people out in the parking lot praying for them as well. And they would just parade through the strip club and make their way to the back room. But what they saw there was these women, most of them addicted to drugs, most of them, when they came off a stage, they would collapse on the couch in the back room and just start crying. And they would just hold them, pray for them, give them the bag, and say, hey, we meet every Wednesday night. You should come. And oftentimes, these women would come. And you talk about just being a light to the darkest places. Now, obviously, God might not call you to do something like that, but you've got to think, that's an extreme case, but you've got to think in your neighborhoods. How many believers are out there throwing block parties? How many believers are out there just asking a neighbor to come over, you know, to watch the football game? Or say, hey, we're grilling chicken and having a bonfire tonight. Come on over. Like, God wants us to be the light wherever we are. He wants to use us to bless others. The second one is in John 7, verse 37 through 39. So Jesus Jesus tells him, I want you to look at this verse very closely. It says this, On the last day of the feast of the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. 
If anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scriptures has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now he has said this about the Spirit whom those who believed in him were going to receive. For as yet the Spirit has not yet given, because Jesus has not yet been glorified. Okay? So he said, hey, if anybody's thirsty, come to me. And if you believe in me, out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. So, I mean, we all say Jesus is the living water, but he's saying once you are a believer and put your hope and trust in Jesus Christ, what's coming out of actually your heart? The living water. Like, it flows from your heart. You have the Holy Spirit, and out of you flows rivers of living water, a stream of salvation and truth and blessing from the Holy Spirit does not come into you and stop with you, but it comes into you to flow out to others. You are blessed to be a blessing. Jesus into you, into others. Jesus into you and flows to others. It's a flow and it's a blessing. So, as the church, as believers, we have this river of living waters. Some of us maybe have a dam <laughs> that's preventing it from flowing out. And our, our exhortation to the church is to, like, let go of that dam and let that river of living water flow into others. Be a blessing. And it's not hard. This isn't meant to be like you have to be a Bible scholar because you don't have to be. You have the Holy Spirit, and the Bible says the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say. It does not mean you have to knock on strangers' doors and, and be able to, like, articulate, you know, everything about, like, converting somebody. Because at the end of the day, converting somebody is not your job, right? Converting is solely the responsibility of Jesus in the Holy Spirit. God draws people. God converts them. It's not our job. So when people reject us, what does Jesus say? They're rejecting him. So if you're like, I'm not very good, uh, you know, only, I've only led one person to the Lord. We, our job is to be obedient. And so this is the tool. It's called BLESS. So BLESS is relational, and it's an acronym. And the first one is begin with prayer. So I get it's a little cheesy because we didn't want to call it PLESS, all right? So we called it BLESS. Because we, the first one, and, and again, I didn't come up with this. There's an awesome book by Dave Ferguson you guys could find on Amazon. He, he's the founder of it. Many churches use this, and uh, we've had a bunch of churches I've talked to that said they've used these blessed rhythms, and it's made a huge impact in their church. So again, I didn't come up with this, but it's awesome, and I've been using it myself in my own life. So begin with prayer. That's what we'll talk about next week is how you can start praying for your friends and family who don't know Jesus. But also ask God this question. Where are you at, where are you at work already? And how can I join you? Because God's already doing work in people's lives and saying, where are you at work and how can I join you? Uh, the next is listen. That's when you get with people, the first step is to just listen. We'll talk about that in a couple of weeks, but many studies show that Christians aren't known for their amazing listening skills. They're mainly known for their like, good talking skills and sometimes their judging skills. <laughs> but listening... Barna did a research study like not too long ago, and they asked people who didn't go to church, non-Christians, what's the number one thing you're looking for when having a spiritual conversation with a Christian? And the first one was listen without judgment. Some people listen without judgment. 
And you're like, how can I listen without judgment? Doesn't that mean that I'm okaying their lifestyle? No. It's just listening, hearing their story, hearing their hurts, hearing their struggles. So listening is the second one. Eat. Uh, many stories of Jesus eating with people. The first thing he said to Zacchaeus is, hey, he invited himself over and says, hey, can I eat with you? Um, Tammy Sorensen and Jill Zeller will tell you a lot about eating because they lead the J-Road table, right? Where, where a lot of us are in the J-Road table and we eat with others and a lot of walls get broken down, so we'll talk about eating with others. Serving others just to bless somebody um, and helping them out. So if somebody has a baby, you bring them a meal. Somebody's fence is broken, you go over and fix it. And your friends are like, hey, dude, why are you doing all this nice stuff for me? Hey, because I'm, you know, I'm a Christian. We're supposed to love others. I just want to help you. Okay? Serve. And the last is share. Share Jesus. Share the gospel. How do you, you know. But if you see, like, sharing Jesus with them is after you've listened to their story, after you've ate with them, after you served them, all, and after you prayed for them. Again, these aren't meant to be like a specific order and a checklist. Like, this, these are rhythms that play out in any order, right? Like you might serve somebody before, you know, you eat with them. These are going to be tools for you to bring the gospel to others. Um, and we'll see how Jesus also used these tools as well. So in the pew in front of you, do me a favor and pull out those sheets that are in front of you. There's a stack in each row. My awesome son, Tyler, who's 10, cut them and placed them this morning. Um, but there should be a couple stacks in each row if they don't go to the row in front of you. That's your guys' take-home homework. It looks like this. Put it in your Bible. Put it in your purse. Put it in your fanny pack, if that's how you roll. So, or place it on your mirror where you brush your teeth. So, you don't have to, in this first part, put one name in there, but as you pray for people, you can put their names here. Um, pray for Sarah to become thirsty for God. Pray for Bill to become open to change. Also, the second part is pray for yourself. Pray that you would trust in the Lord and not bless others through your own strength, but through God's strength. In the blessed brainstorm is jot down some other places where God may be sending you to meet and bless others who do not yet know Jesus. Will you guys do this as your homework? This is your takeaway until next week. Um, take that with you. Um, there's a saying that if you are not regularly praying for people by name, I doubt God will use you to help change them. Now, I'm talking about the people in your life. If you are not praying for lost people, chances are God won't use you to reach them because when you pray, God starts to do a change and a work in your heart to change others, okay? Um, so start praying for people by name. Start by asking God, God, I don't know who you want me to start praying for. And just ask God to give you names, and he will. If you already know, like, hey, I, I know these people, start praying for them by name on a weekly basis. And put them, their name on this list, on the back, and put it somewhere where you can see it. Sound good? And so I believe through this series that we can have a huge impact, not only in Muskegon, but also wherever, you, on the streets you live, in the places you work. I believe that we could start fulfilling our mission as a church to reach those far from Jesus. And God's going to use you to do it. Okay? All right, let me pray. Jesus, thank you for uh, this, uh, these blessed rhythms that we can live out. Help us, God, be people that live our daily lives on mission, wherever we live, learn, work, or play. Help us 
um, reach people that are far from you. Help us see ourselves as light to a decaying or light to a dark world and salt to a decaying world, and know that we have purpose. We have mission. So use us, God. We love you. God, we pray this all in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.